May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Know your story. Live it boldly. This is the invitation of the church. We live in a story of God's love, of God's purpose. And we gather here each week to be together as the body of Christ. To learn the story in order to live the story more faithfully. There are parts of the story we love and there are parts that we struggle with. We've just heard a particular part of the story. The story of Jesus' murder, his betrayal, his mock trial, his death, and the painful realization by the Roman soldier, the centurion, certainly this man was innocent. Jesus was innocent. Pilate knew it. Herod knew it. Even the crowd who shouts for the criminal Barabbas to be released. A choice which seals the fate of the innocent Jesus. Who among us is certain we would not have joined in the chorus of those who were calling for Barabbas? After all, the momentum of a crowd is overwhelming. Cheering turns to jeering so quickly, and then to violence. We need only turn on the news to see this phenomenon today. It seems to be part of the human condition that we are often too easily influenced by inflammatory speech, by fingers pointed at others, by those who wish to control us with fear. We go along with a crowd out of fear, ignorance, or apathy. We need not join in when everyone around us is calling for Barabbas, but it is more likely than not that we will. How do we own this part of the story? How do we own the fullness of what we are as human beings, of who we are as God's beloved? Know your story. Live it. Today, this challenge, this invitation is more difficult than on many other days because we are confronted with how broken, sinful, self-absorbed, and scared we are so much of the time. But thankfully, this is not the end of the story. Now, I don't have very many days when I wish that we had a big, gigantic screen up here in the church. Because screens are not the traditional Episcopal thing. And like most of you, 
I'm kind of a traditionalist. But I have found myself wishing occasionally that I had a way to show you something on the screen. Not because I like to introduce technology for its own sake, but because sometimes the challenge of showing you something with my words is not sufficient. The images and the words and the music need more than me, more than the readers, more than the choir, no matter how good. God's word is mysterious and we grab it in different ways. Some of us are listeners. Some of us are readers. Some of us need to touch and taste and breathe in the scent of incense. Some of us need to listen. I found myself this week going back to the last time we heard this version of the story from Luke. I remembered something that I saw back then that has stuck with me every Palm Sunday since. It was a Lenten offering from the Mormon Tabernacle Choir, one of the most renowned and largest vocal choirs in the world. And there's a video which you can see for yourself on YouTube, but which you have to imagine right now. It begins with a picture of a violin playing opening notes and then leads into the familiar music. King of kings and lord of lords. King of king and lord of lords. And he shall reign forever and ever. The Mormon Tabernacle Choir, 360 people, men and women who rehearsed together and recorded this gift of song. But, this is what I wish I could show you. In this case, they were joined by a virtual choir, only possible because of technology. More than 2,000 other people, black, white, brown, young, old, rich, poor, it wasn't about that. These were thousands of people who signed on to sing their praise to God, and the technology enabled them to do it together in real time. We hear and see the Mormon Tabernacle Choir, and then 2,000 other people who join in from all over the world. You see their faces scattered throughout the choir and on screens all around that enormous room. And together, together, their voices blend in a song of praise rarely heard, a lifting up of the profound, profound gifts of human achievement in song and praise. It's pure, without conflict, simply an offering to God the Creator. You must hear it for yourself to appreciate the beauty and the grandeur. So this, too, is our story. 
Human beings gathered in a crowd at our very best, using the God-bestowed gift of music and creativity. A crowd gathered not in fear or anger or violence, but in love, love for God. And we see and hear how the music and the love transform those who are singing and we who are listening. This is also our story. Human beings created in God's image can reflect beauty and love. We can witness to those aspects of God with our voices, our bodies, our words, our lives. I imagine that this was the song of those waving palms as Jesus entered Jerusalem. A song of praise, of hope, of thanksgiving, being sung by all kinds of people. King of kings and Lord of lords, they sang, even though he looked otherwise, right? A dusty, ordinary guy riding on a donkey. They waved their palm fronds, the branches all around them as they sang. Who are these people who had this hope for salvation? Who are we who can utilize unimaginable technology to bring diverse voices into a hymn of praise? Today, the Palm Sunday story portrays how easily, how quickly, we can shift from love and adoration to hatred and fear. It seems to be all too human, and I'm not sure we have any power in ourselves to fix this. In fact, I know that we do not. It is only through Christ who offers himself in obedience on the cross. As he hangs there, tortured, mocked, and dying, he prays to God on our behalf. Forgive them, Father, for they do not know what they are doing. This is our story, too. We do not know what we are doing most of the time. We step out courageously to work for justice, for peace. We cower under the covers. We risk our hearts in love. We weep in anger and despair. We write symphonies, sing lullabies, invent life-saving medicines. And we hurt others with our words, with lies. We betray friends. We forget who we are and whose we are. The good news is that today's story is not the end. The cross and the betrayal are not the final word. For we know Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. This story we tell today, this story really happened. People just like you and me sang and waved palms and then shouted for his death. 
He died a real death. He was buried in a real tomb. Friends and loved ones cried real tears. And then, and then he rose from the dead. He is risen. This is our story. The Lord is risen indeed. God has the final word, and that word is life. So this year, this day, this Holy Week, as we walk through Holy Week, we can walk with confidence that the risen Lord walks with us. It's the only way we can actually face the other parts of the story. Because he is risen, we are free, forgiven, and loved. Know this in your heart and live it in your lives. Thanks be to God.